It's time to quarantine. Here we go. Welcome to Stuck at Home with Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. It's Thursday, May 21st. Here are. <laughs> Welcome to Stuck at Home with Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. It's Thursday, May 21st. Here are your hosts, Jason Smith and Cliff Dorfman. I'm not even going to try again. I'm not even going to try again. We're just going to go from here. I'm going to have to have uh, I'm going to have to get that edited in post. Uh, it is listen to the intro twice. Welcome to a new episode of Stuck at Home with me. And it is not May 28th. It is not May 28th, guys. I apologize. Something it's went wonky. Not- you know, uh, the truth is that went. Hi, Nancy. Nancy's here. Uh, that went in and out of my brain. Good afternoon, Nancy. That l- it literally, like the, the the May of it all. I was like, sure, yeah. it's May. Yeah, great. Does it matter? No, I, I've it actually matter? gone. To, I've actually gone to taking out the 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 date because you know, it's, even though it's the state now, it's not the state tomorrow, so I don't put it in there. Um, and as soon as I heard it the first time, I was like, crap, that's not the right thing. Why is that there? And I stopped it and started the next one. But I just started the same one twice. It's one of those. It's one of those, Cliff Dorfman. It's one of those. Well, happy new episode, Jason Smith. Happy new episode to you. I have a great guest today, um, a showrunner of Nosferatu, which I love this show, so I have a lot of stuff I want to ask her about. Um, But before we get to that, you know, I I want to pick up a conversation that I was having with um, Danny Pellegrino the other day, uh, the episode, Okay. um, which was the idea of shows coming in a batch or the weekly event of a show, mm-hmm. and how does it affect viewership? And, and, and viewership in the sense of how does it affect the flow of viewership? Do you look forward more to a show that you have to down, you know, look every week and wait for? Or do we, you know, which is Nosferatu's case, and, and everything she's worked on, whether it's Hell on Wheels, it's how AMC does stuff. Wait, uh, what happened, Cassandra Church? What'd she say there, Jason? Oh, because she, she reads the dates for us, and I messed up. Church. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the idea of uh, uh, episodes being, you know, all there at once, so you get to just flow and watch it, or waiting each week with anticipation, per se, or, or waiting each week with anger that you have to wait each week. And right. does it, how does it affect the flow of the show and how you, you know, intake it, and if you like it more or less, et cetera? I mean, do you have a thought on that? Well, I mean, I think there's a couple things. I think there's a lot of different things to kind of consider in there, but... One thing I've noticed with binging, I like binging a lot more because I like to see the next piece, and I know a lot of the content now that's built to binge is built mm-hmm. to binge. It's not built to be watched every... The way they even structure your cliffhangers and stuff is different now in TV that's bingeable. But the thing that I've noticed the most is I remember almost nothing about the story when I binge it because I get it all collected into one weekend or a week, and by the time the next, yeah, the next season comes out, I have, I have no memory of the the little pieces i have like the major points but i lose most of it and i don't think about watching it twice because i've already just binged it it took me a whole weekend to binge it the first time so i don't yeah, think so I'm back watch to the it. whole season again right yeah so I that's that problem with dead like me so i'm interrupting uh oh, no, Nancy, you should drink no i did <laughs> but i had that uh uh what, what was well uh dead like me which I, I loved the first season. I thought it was fantastic. And I'm sure the second season's great, but I kind of feel like the recap doesn't really help me that much. And I, got, I would have to watch the whole first season again to, to get back into it. I did not have that problem with Ozark. No? You remembered it all? Yeah, I had no issue with that. Uh, at the, who are you texting there? What's going on? What's going oh, on? Stuff? Oh, I'm just doing Jason time. just working and doing stuff behind the scenes yeah. in his you know, video if you're not watching and you're listening. Uh, and, and Nancy says, I agree. I purposely take breaks so I can make sure to get the story. Yeah, uh, I get it. You, so you have to take breaks. And that's what AMC and, and regular network has been doing for a while mm-hmm. now with AMC Plus that they're launching, right, on Comcast or wherever. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, yeah. get it on Apple, right? Yeah, you, you can get it on Apple. And right now you can still get it as a standalone. Right, like five bucks a month or whatever, like an Epics. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He's now drinking a... Um, exactly. Drink, <laughs> I think, uh, Monster, can we sponsor Jason? Because, I mean, he drinks no, a lot No, please don't. I'm a rock star, man. I'm a oh, rock, rock star. Man. Sorry. Rock star, can we sponsor um, uh, Jason? I'm sure he's already sponsored. Yeah, because look at me. So, I'm, I'm the picture help. 
No, yeah, no. I don't think I, Rockstar is a healthy drink. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's you know a bunch yeah. of people who are like I need energy. And yeah, then if, if we're going to do that, we might as well just get uh, Jägermeister to sponsor us too, and I'll just become that guy. I'll become oh, Jason yeah. when I went to college in Florida. Florida, Jaeger shot Jason. He's almost as bad as Reno Jason, except he had a curfew. Yeah, it was and access to more cocaine. Yeah, I was just going to say with Florida Jason, there's more, uh, there, there's less meth. And more then, coke. Uh, yeah, more coke. <laughs> okay, yeah, it, makes, it makes perfect sense. Good, it's like they call the soda coke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Stephanie just goes Stephanie's like, no, no, fuck, no. Oh, wait, that was my first. Did I make four minutes? I did. You did. You made it. See? And I only got one more the whole episode. Okay, so this is what I think. And it's weird. We're going to talk about the Betty Broderick thing tomorrow. So everybody right. can have a chance to watch it in our Stuck at Home fam. But... Yeah, before we have a, a, a long conversation, but what AMC has been doing, and, and uh, our guest today, uh, Jamie, has worked on, you know, Fear of the Walking Dead and, you know, Hell on Wheels. You know that um, uh, my son's mom, Drew Mauser, was on Hell on Wheels in the pilot, or she played this uh, prostitute, and, and they gave her the worst teeth. Like, yeah. it was like, it was so disgusting. It was so good. And then, you know, it just puts her more into character. That right. was a, and it was, it wasn't, it was like a guest star or whatever it was. And, you know, I don't know the terms. Yeah, not to digress even further, but I feel like teeth are the best reveal for something. Perfectly pretty yes. people. The minute you get a good smile in there and it's all fucking, there's my first F. Yeah. It, you're like, it changes the whole person. Like you put like one too I many agree. teeth in there or make them like, gray or something and all of a sudden the whole person changes it's amazing it's one of the best i think techniques to like reveals i agree and, and here's the thing it's like with uh what jamie also was a showrunner i guess on, on hell on wheels that's a you know show about laying down the railroad with these mm -hmm. chinese workers and you're dealing with such a horrible ugly time and it's a dirty time yeah so oh, yeah. the second you see that you're like i know exactly where i am i get it everyone smells horribly let's get <laughs> on with it yeah but this yeah. goes back to event tv because yep. with, with AMC, every single time you wait a week. Right now, with Game of Thrones, HBO, we had to wait a week. And they made us do that. And that caused us to have, what, viewing parties? Yep. You don't do that with binging. Right. It also gets people to, it collectively starts building that snowball thing that happens where you, you get a few people on the first one and more each episode. And then it draws more people. Then they start binging backwards towards the, you know, I think it's interesting. I, I, I do believe in, I like, I like, and I hate event television. Cause I think, and I think about this a lot. Like I loved, uh, I would have watched every episode of the good place this year all at once, but it's separated well, out by too. week and it, and it, but separating it out by a week and then separating it out again by two little periods that they did it. I just loved it. I, I mean, I, of course I would have loved it, but I felt like it impacted me more. Doing yeah. weekly, having weekly releases, I feel like impacts me more, and I, I remember it more. I shift around a lot. All right, the weekly impact and remembering it more is exactly what I think as well. Now, I don't want to wait. What is Nancy saying there? Nancy's saying something. You, you posted it, so it must be interesting. Oh, no, we're talking to Betty Broderick. <laughs> oh, right, all right. You guys were off last week. You have to watch it. Remember, what do you mean we were off? We, we took Thursday off last week. No, we took Friday off. Oh, oh yeah, we took Friday. We did talk about we're it, but I think Nancy... Nancy might have had to Nancy, drive. Nancy, you took Nancy. Nancy, you took Thursday off. That's what you did. <laughs> it's the only show I think Nancy's missed. Um, yes, so Nancy, we did talk about it, but we can recap tomorrow when we get back yep. into it. But this is the thing. Look, we're doing that with this Betty Broderick thing, right? We're mm -hmm. having a weekly discussion, and it, it's interesting, and it keeps us baited. Yeah, well, you know, book clubs, I think this about book clubs um, yeah. and... Uh, well, book clubs, how do you equate? Book clubs and, 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 and these kind of viewing party stuff like this. And even like school when I'd read books chapter by chapter and we talk about it in class. You, you get, you know, yes. when you get a chance to read a book all the way through, you don't necessarily dissect the chapter and think about it. I don't. Maybe, maybe. Uh, oh, I maybe get it. You That's do. what you mean by book clubs, where you break it apart and you have to actually remember each section in the arc and the, yes, and the rise. And you start to really understand the themes more. As important to just reading a book and being like, top to bottom, you read the book and you're thinking about it as a holistic experience. A lot of the time, you're not necessarily breaking up and analyzing the themes in that chapter and seeing what the, not all the way, at least this for me, that's what event television do, does too. You get to take these pieces. Like I like, I like, you know, breaking bad or, or fear the walking the dead. Did it. Yeah. 
No, you know, I'm with you. I'm agreeing. Yeah, yeah. You just, it's just that thing. You, you, build it, you know, when you can start to really explore what they're really thinking about and get into the pathos of these people, it's a lot easier to do that when you break it and, and you stop, think about it, maybe even rewatch a little bit. I do a lot of that too. And when, you know, and doing book clubs and, and even, you know, school reading, it was a lot of rereading chapters and passages to get the full breadth of it. Where, you, where if you just have access to the next chapter or the next episode, you might just, you know, skip well, you're half. Very right. You're very right. Because as a writer, I'm writing, you know, once I know my story, you know, I'm right, you know, and that could take months to flesh out. But once I know it and I know my characters, I'm writing in scenes and I'm connecting scenes and each scene has its own meaning in and of itself. You're laughing. What are you giggling at? I just, there? I realized. He's like, hee hee. But quietly, <laughs> no, I you can't you. hear him. I was also just trying to manage the chat. Um, I'll t we'll tell uh, Nancy. Jason's was great at this, by the way. He's like multi, he's doing five things right now. <laughs> we have a live chat. I'm not going to digress too much. We have a live chat going where people are flying in stuff and he's posting the stuff that he thinks is post worthy. And then on top of he's dealing with like our producer and then we have people backstage and he's doing all of it at once while engaging in in what i would like to think is an interesting conversation yeah. so yeah, but and, and getting called out for it too um well calling you out in a good way see you're kidding. only hearing it the way you hear it because that's what <laughs> so no, not, no linda rod it's not you guys it's him <laughs> nancy is just saying that she really wants to yell this because we got it all wrong again she listened she just wants to she's she's ready to tell us how we got we've it met. all wrong we got it all wrong. Remember, we talked about it last time. We got it all wrong last time too. So she's ready for us. I'm really excited. Get wrong. Oh we, no! We, what, what we thought was going on was wrong. We were wrong. She just. Oh yeah, yeah. In the show, yeah. We'll talk yeah, about everything tomorrow. Yeah, yes, tomorrow. yeah. Okay, but now I caught up. I, but what I was going to say in getting back to the main point and and the kind of structure focal uh, point of this episode is that with the event thing, right? Like we're talking about the Braid of Rod, like Netflix, uh, not Netflix, uh, Top Chef, is it? We, we had uh, Stephanie Seymour on, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I heard the, the, the ratings doubled on this because of Buzz, because mm -hmm. of people talking about it each week, and you don't get that with the binging either. Now they're not looking for it, right? right. They're not looking for ratings. Different model, different reasoning. Um, but yeah, they're and looking they content catalog and being able to oh. just put, say they have these names on there so people sign up. They're, they're looking for signups, right. not list viewers. Catalog. Subscription. Catalog. Right, mm -hmm. subscribers, not viewers. Um, though, though here's the thing, right? AMC, who's been able to talk to Jamie, but they've been doing episodes forever. That's the business model. Mm -hmm. If could you imagine Mad Men if you if you binged it? And that would be a totally television. different show. It feel like a totally different show. Yeah, that was as big as you know, like Seinfeld and Friends package, you know, must see TV back in the '90s. You know, mm -hmm. it's 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 that is something where if you had to see that all at once, would it work? And now with AMC Plus, are we? If I go buy that, do I get it? All, all the episodes, or do I still have to wait? Mm. Yeah, we'll find out. I'm asking. I think you that know. Uh, it, all all the old stuff. I'm sure it's like catalog stuff, but it's probably a lot like HBO uh, or HBO Go. HBO HBO Max. No, oh, excuse me, HBO Max now. Where yeah, the, I mean, are we are we here with Jamie? Is Jamie here? Yep, Jamie's here. We're oh, ready. Let's to... bring Jamie on for sure because that that seems. And you could look at what Scott texts because I don't have uh, I don't have the wherewithal to do it. But I feel like she doesn't need an introduction at this point. She has been the showrunner of uh, Hell on Wheels and Fear the Walking Dead. Now it's Nosferatu on AMC and AMC Plus, yeah. starring Zachary Quinto. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Jamie O'Brien. Yes. Hello. Hi guys. Hello. Oh, what's up, Jamie? Oh, hey! Look, half of you. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. How's that? Ah, it's perfect. It's an inverse mirror. And it screws us up every time. I have to learn to point the opposite direction to I point know. at you guys. Yeah. It, it feels completely foreign. <laughs> um, I'll try to stay in one place. I love when it catches up. Very nice to meet you. Thank you for being here, Jamie. Welcome. It's great to meet you guys. Thanks for having me on. I, I just sorry. I just want to correct you really quickly. I was correct not the I was not the showrunner for Hell on Wheels or Fear the Walking Dead. I Why was. I have this information. Thank you. I I worked on those shows, but I don't want to I don't want to steal credit. I um I was an ex I was a co executive producer on both those shows, and I, I worked uh I ran the writers room in the last season of Hell on Wheels, and I ran the writers room in the season three of Fear, but was not the showrunner. Okay, so let's be clear then. You were almost the showrunner. Co-EP, for those who don't know, is one below EP, which is the highest in TV. And AMC was setting you up to run a show, and then they put you on Nosferatu. Or did you pick it? They actually, um, they brought me the book uh, when Hell on Wheels was ending, actually. One of the execs from Hell on Wheels asked me if I had ever read it, which I had not. But I had read Lock and Key, Joe Hill's other work, and really liked that. So, um, so I read it and loved it, and uh, here we are. So that's interesting. So, so you read it during Hell on Wheels, and then you still were developing it the whole time, even during Fear. 
Yes. I, um, I read it at the end of Hell on Wheels. I think we were at like a rap party for the, the final season of Hell on Wheels when she gave me the book. And, um, yeah. And then I kind of like, we, we talked about it a little bit and then we made, I had a, a meeting with Dave Erickson, who was the showrunner of Fear the Walking Dead, um, and then wound up kind of making an overall deal with AMC where I would develop Nosferatu and work on Fear. I mean, this is a nice and an interesting look at, you know, the climb, because it's not an easy, it's a long road. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yep. you for saying that. I like the, are those the Bose uh, Midnight Blue Quiet Conference? Uh, these are... They are. Yeah, I think they might be. They they belong to my husband. <laughs> I like your husband more already. Hey, Cliff, real quick, technical note from uh, from Jason. Um, will you do me a favor and turn up your microphone a little bit? You are yeah. very quiet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can it I might be that? that I'm yelling. Should I talk? You're fine. You, you okay. no, it's always <laughs> he's, he's me. Quiet. He's real you. quiet. Yeah, so what do I do with that as far as turning up? Oh, I Just, see. There should be like a, a thing. Like, is that better? Yes, lots better. Oh, okay, great. There you go. See, Turn up just a little more. Tech. A little more. Give it a little more. If I can. That's fine. I just a little more. Yeah, All right. I think that's it. Talk, then talk with your outside voice. All right. <laughs> All right. So, sorry about that, Jamie. That's okay. I'm trying here. Right, so, <laughs> yeah. No So, you get Zachary Quinto, right? Now, is this a long term thing? Like, do you have him for a while? Because he's a busy guy, right? Is this the first element you attach? Um, he was actually not the first person that we cast. Uh, we had cast. We'd cast a handful of the series regulars already by the time Zach came on board. And, um, yeah, he, uh, he was very he was exciting. Like final piece. Oh, yes. Wow, yeah. So, so how do you get Ashley Cummings who plays Vic? Because she is, first of all, for uh, an actor her age, she's got a lot of gravitas. I mean, a lot of depth. And she hadn't really been in much. I mean, you know, uh, some stuff, but I, I've, I'd never seen her before. You introduced me to her. Yeah, um, I think I, I, she's amazing. I love her. And she um, she auditioned. She's from Australia uh, and she had done some work there. Um, but this was I think Nosferatu was really her first big American TV show. And um, yeah, she just came in and auditioned and blew us away. Right. It, it shows. So so let me ask you. So when I went into the show, I'm a big fan. Um, and, and in a bit, I want to get to talking a little about the episode versus the binging. I don't know mm -hmm. I yeah, I heard you guys talking about it. Yammering about it. But I'd like to get into that in a second. But what I want to ask you is when I when I first saw the show being, you know, advertised and out there and reading about it and not knowing about the book at all. So walking into it like someone's like, oh, this is a new show. All right. And sorry. Hear, one last time, because this is really. Yeah, tell me. You're still tell too quiet. Do. Uh, okay, I don't so know what I do. I don't either. Here, is this better? Wait, is this better? Is that better? Or now you don't hear me at all? Now, now you're way louder. Okay, keep talking. Okay, am I louder now? Now? How about now? You know, you haven't heard, Jamie. <laughs> you're the exact same. You're the I exact, can exact hear you. same, right? Yeah, <laughs> the exact same, right? There's no volume on. I don't it. Wait, think. Wait. How about now? Now. Oh. Was it not on? Were you talking through your speaker on your computer? No, no, no. It's on the here. You want to see? It's on the it's on the bottom. You see? It's like a thing right here. Where who would know that? So <laughs> how do you turn? Like, but now now you hear me fine, right? Yeah. Now I hear you. Thank you, <sighs> Jamie. I'm so sorry. We're we're just not at all professional. <laughs> I. I, I can hear you. Okay, good. So, so in in the show now, I come to it not knowing the book. I'm like, oh, Nosferatu. As far as I know, this is the legend. This is Vale the uh, Vlad the Impaler, and we're doing a vampire thing. And then you walk into it, and you're like, no, this is about energy and strong creatives. So, so why the name Nosferatu? For those who don't know, because because he's the father of vampires, right? Um. Well. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. It's it is the name of the novel, um, mm -hmm. and so. That's part of the reason. I think the reason why it's the name of the novel is because Joe Hill, who wrote the novel, is very fond of puzzles. Um, and he, I think that when he was creating the novel, he had Charlie Makes in mind, but he also had this kind of vampiric car in mind as well. Yeah, so like the, the way in, yeah, the wraith, the way in which Charlie kind of drains the vitality out of these kids is he puts them in the car and the car kind of makes a transference from the kid to Charlie. And mm. so I think that gave Joe the idea for a vanity plate. And I think that it's, uh, you know, fun. It's kind of a joke and it's kind of a puzzle. 
Well, it's also being kind of an energy vampire, right? I yes. mean, that's really what he is. He's sucking yeah. off the energy of these kids to maintain his youth and his life. Yeah, their souls, really. Okay, yeah. so their life energy, their souls. Yeah. Well, I don't know why I'm trying to call it something else. It's just say what you said, the souls. Life energy <laughs> but that's works, what it is. too. <laughs> All right. yeah. but, but that's what he's doing. So, so this is a guy that, that has... Um, deep... I just want to jump in, Jamie. The reason yeah. he's doing that is because he's watched too much uh, uh, What We Do in Shadows. Uh-huh. Which is a great show. <laughs> oh, I love that show. But I love Nosferatu also. And, and what I also like about it is that I've never seen um, the the idea of being a strong creative. You know, this, this idea of building a bridge with your mind that you can actually materialize and travel on into a different dimension. So when you were approaching the worlds and building, you know, this out, you knew you had a series, were you thinking, like, because I noticed different color schemes and palettes in, in different worlds. Were you, you know, making a concerted difference to it because it seems yeah really absolutely um i'm glad you noticed that uh Thank you. you know <laughs> it's um the way that the strong creatives and inscapes work is that mm -hmm. everybody's inscape is a reflection of the mind of the strong creative it actually exists in their mind um and so you know what exists in vic mcqueen's imagination is going to be very different from what exists in charlie makes imagination for instance which again is going to be different than what exists in maggie lee's imagination and so each right. inscape is a reflection of the character who's created it right so they're both like mix is as a strong creative as well he just went the dark route exactly exactly she could do the same thing correct she could do the same thing she could suck everybody's energy she wants i'd imagine i'm, I'm asking actually could she uh, she, I think she has a different gift. So each of these kinds of people have different different kinds of gifts, and mm -hmm. um, and they all pay a cost for their gift too. Uh, so Vic's gift is finding things, um, and I think that the the covered bridge is her part of the way that she's able to do it. I think it exists in her subconscious. Um, mm. We learned that uh, it was a bridge that actually existed in her neighborhood when she was a kid, and her dad helped dem demo it when she was young. Yeah, that was a trip. I yeah. Gotta tell you, that was <laughs> Um, so I think it's something from her deep subconscious that kind of gives her the ability to conjure it and, um, and the ability to find lost things, whereas Charlie makes his powers are, uh, you know, to stay eternally young. <laughs> well, what we're going to get this season, right, is we're going to learn a bit more about the birth of Charlie, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to that because we were having a conversation about uh, um, uh, a while back about broken characters, you know, broken yes. people break people. Uh, so, so how did Charlie get broken? Because Vic got broken too, just she decided a different path, right? Absolutely, yep. And so, season two is, is, is very much about both of mm -hmm. them. Um, they're kind of good foils for one another. They're both broken people. And in season two, we really delve into their both of their relationships with their own children. And so I think the question is, how are they going to pass on this brokenness as we see from their each of their backstories has kind of been passed to them? Well, I think what you're doing, uh, if I may say, which is is really cool and and you know courageous, is you you jumped ahead many years, like seven oh, years. Yeah. In the first, you know, going into the second season, you usually see that in a, f a fourth, fifth season, not in a second season jump where now everybody's just. I'm going to use my second fucked up. I mean, everybody <laughs> is like she's an alcoholic and she's got this kid and she's a young mom. And yeah. Charlie's like trying Bing is pretty evil now. Like yeah. it's not like Bing turned out well. So uh, tell me if the decision for this slow burn because I think that's what I watch with AMC a lot and watch how this leads me into our next the, <laughs> I like it. That's very good transitions. <laughs> thank you. This slow burn and I see it with uh, you know it feels like an AMC sort of thing but uh, what kind of decision was this in going into season 2 where you're like I'm going to speed up the time but I'm going to slow burn these characters to really understand why we're here. Um that's a great question. You know, we had always planned a time jump in the event of a season two. We didn't know we would have a season two, but we were hopeful and um, and thought that it was always the plan that if there's a season two, there will be a time jump. The novel uh, is kind of a big, sprawling story, and it takes place on multiple times. Um, and... So it's a way to kind of honor the novel, but it was also a way to tell the next part of the story, which involves Vic's child. And um, it, it just seemed like, 
it's it's a, it would have been harder to do if you were an infant. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> right, so, that's not as interesting. Yeah, and I mean, truthfully, like the number of years was the uh, it was a practical reason. We were like, how old of a kid can we get, like, and still get away with believing this? Time jump, you know. Yeah, um, it's not easy to work with those kids. No matter what you want, a seven-year-old, where you get a ten-year-old, and can they really do it? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So we got really lucky with Jason David, who plays Wayne, um, who I think was nine when we started shooting, and um, you know, old enough to be able to hang, um, but still young enough to be. You know, a, a, uh, interesting for Charlie, <laughs> yes. I should say. Yeah, yeah, and still like wide-eyed and open. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, he could be, so, you know, go either way. Yes. Um, you know, did you choose Rhode Island on purpose? Because the, the, the look of the of the show is very bleak. I love it, by the way. A lot of greens and, and, and feels like grays and golds. and I, Maybe I'm off, but it like feels like Rhode Island matches that so well. Was that a conscious choice? You know, the book is set in Haverhill, Massachusetts, which is okay. where which is where the show is also set mostly. And um, it wasn't my idea to shoot in Rhode Island. I assumed just because at the time that the show was got pick up, picked up so much was shooting in Canada. So right. I thought that production was going to insist that we shoot in Vancouver or Toronto or someplace in Canada. And when they came to me, they said, what about Rhode Island? Uh, I almost jumped for joy because <laughs> Rhode Island looks just like Massachusetts. It's literally right. like they're both it's in perfect. New England. And um, yeah, I was really excited. And as far as like the gray look of the show, that was just the weather. Like that was just <laughs> like it was just partly like the, what, what there was. Um, and it yeah, really I, works though the, for the tone. I have thanks. to say, yeah, I, I love it. I love so shooting there. Let me ask you now. Let me get into what we were yammering about earlier, which is this episode a week versus the binge, right? So if I join, do you know, if I join AMC Plus, do I get all of Nosferatu right now? No. Season two? No, you okay. don't. But you do get episodes uh, 48 hours in advance. And this is different, by the Ooh. way, than what they did last season. Last season, um, it, their, the app was called AMC Premiere, and I think they're transitioning it now to AMC Plus. Uh, but yes, it's still basically the, the app. And um, last season, you know, all the episodes dropped, I guess is what the kids say, at once on the <laughs> app. And they and then they kind of rolled out normally on the on the channel the station right. yeah, um, on the air I on the air There's no more yeah. air yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> but this year right. they they decided to switch it up which uh, again like I, I wasn't part of that decision that was just the programming. Um, but it's 48 hours in advance now yes. we get. So yeah. that's if we buy it. Otherwise, we get it week to week. Yeah. Right? Correct. Now, this is how you've worked most of your career, right, on shows? Is a week yeah. to week, we drop the show, and you don't know, and we don't do spoilers, and we don't talk. Because even yeah. in the pre-pack, <laughs> I, got no, you know, I got what the spoilers were. You know, and, and it's, it's an important thing. Now, do you feel that Nosferatu has to work with this kind of pacing? You know, like, what do you feel the difference is in, as, as an auteur in, in putting together a show that you know is going to be binged at once as opposed to something like this that you've been doing your whole career, which is you got to wait till next week? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I heard you guys kind of talking about it right before I came on. And um, I think that there are different pleasures in each version, you know. Mm -hmm. um, for me, because as you say, it's kind of what I've done my whole career. As a writer, I really like the week to week because I think it enables viewers to digest an episode. Um, and we try really hard in the writer's room. We craft episodes. Do you know what I mean? In addition to the season. And I think uh, when you binge everything all at once, you kind of lose that sense of each bit, you know? Um, yes. And I, it, I agree. Yeah. So I, I kind of like it. Week to week. And, but would it uh, change how you wrote it? Like when you're breaking a season, you know you break the season, right? You have your season. Well, actually, why don't I not say it? Tell us how you break a season a little bit, <laughs> would you? Um, well, the way it works on our show, we, mm -hmm. uh, we all get together. All the writers get together at the beginning of the season. And we uh, basically kind of the first thing we do is write down the names of all our series regulars and make a list of all the episodes. And we start to put up tent poles about where we think their character journeys are going, where they start mm -hmm. and where they end. Um, and then we kind of 
figure out the journey along uh, through the episodes. Uh, once we've done that and have kind of a broad map about where you know the, the big character turns are, we then go and start breaking each individual episode. Um, and we do that as a group. And once we kind of beaten the whole thing out, we send the writer off, whichever writer of the Gets particular episode. Exactly. And, um, and then they write an outline, and then we all uh, give notes on the outline and then they and then it goes to the network and then the network gives notes on the outline and then they write a script and we kind of repeat the process until uh, until it's You're done. done. Yeah. So just so you know, um, while you were talking masterclass called, I think they're going to be calling your publicist. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is a you're awesome. That's gold. I mean, that really is. So so when you're doing that, would that change if you were going into something that you knew was going to be binged as 10 episodes or eight episodes at once? Um, I think that we would still we 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 write especially on AMC we we also write towards commercial breaks. Uh, you know we we try to six kind of have now? six. There's a teaser mm-hmm. plus five acts, and so at the end of each thing we we try to have some kind of a hook to bring the audience back. And at the end of the episode, you want to have some kind of hook so that people will come back next week. Or I think it would be the same even if you were binging it. You'd want them to. Right, to press next episode, yeah, or at least exactly. wait and let it come on. But yeah. doesn't it change where you, and I, or not doesn't it, does it change where you're putting your cliffhangers? You know, are your cliffhangers going to matter much more toward the end and, you know, the end of the season? I, I think that's probably true. You know, again, like, I, I've never worked for a streamer. Um, mm-hmm. I was on a panel recently with Meredith Averill, who is a co-showrunner of Lock and Key and also Haunting of Hill House, both that's on Netflix. Yeah, right? yeah. The other joke, right? I yeah. thought that when you said it, that it was a yeah. Netflix show. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Um, and she, so working for Netflix, that's kind mm-hmm. of her world is streaming. And um, she was saying that she prefers that because it enables the, she feels like it enables the tension to sustain better. So like, for instance, mm. in Haunting of Hill House, once you kind of get that terrified tension going she she said that she feels like it's easier to just keep it going rather than trying to rebuild it every episode kind of restart it um which i thought was interesting too yeah that is fascinating so so did you when you built this season how do you look like you know you don't know if you're picked up yet is that right correct yep so did you build a last episode thinking well this is if we are and this is if we're not the last step, I will say this about the last episode. I do think that it works mm-hmm. as a series ender, um, mm-hmm. but it also works. I feel like it's got a, one, one of the nice things about the genre generally, right, is that mm-hmm. I feel like even if it feels complete, there's often a little, it, like Joe's book does this too, there's like a little bit of a. Like a tentacle? Uh, yeah, hanging out. So, right. um, <laughs> so yeah. I, th- we've definitely built a ramp to a possible season three, and I feel like it could also be satisfying uh, end to the series with a little mystery that hopefully feels fun as opposed to unsatisfying in the event that we don't go forward. Oh yeah, I can't. I don't even want to say that to be honest. I, I love the show and every, uh, everything about you. it. So, so is there anything you can tell us about what we're uh, gonna, you know, you know, not spoilers, but anything you yeah. can just let us, you know. Um, I guess know. you know, you kind of already said it. I think um, we're excited to share more of Charlie Makes's backstory, uh, which will include some of Millie Makes's backstory, which we're all really excited about. Yeah. Um, we'll see more Christmas Land this season, which I I think people were hungry for last season, so uh, you can expect that. Um, yeah, I'm trying Maybe to think of this. Go inside. We we Maybe. definitely we will definitely go inside Christmas Land. Oh, um, that's a definite. Oh, that's yeah, exciting. yeah. Oh, okay. um, that's so we'll cool. see more of it than last season, and we'll see our people hanging out in there and what they get up to. I love this, uh, Jason. You, you got anything you, you want to ask here? Uh, before, because I, I'm just going to keep talking about mythology. If we got, and by the way, I, I don't mind this at all. What you're on? No, I, I would just listen, and I, I'm just really intrigued. I am not as far yeah. into it. I just started the show. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I'm actually just finishing up the second episode right now, so I'm trying to plug my ears to the parts where it's too much, but I don't know <laughs> anybody's name. I'm, I'm somebody that doesn't understand, like, remember the names of all the characters until I've been in it, like, six or seven episodes. Kind of like, like, same with Jobs. I don't really know anybody's name for the first four or five months. I just call everybody boss. 
<laughs> so you guys said all these names, and I don't know who's who. I know that I know that we're That's probably why you were so quiet. Um, but uh, uh, no, I'm just really excited. I am. Um, I'm sad that I missed this um, a lot last year, but I'm really glad that I get to to to, to start. Um, I get to binge the first season and watch the Welcome. First Welcome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, before we, we let you go, I, I do want to ask you, um, I know I can't ask about spoilers, so I'm not going to, but, <laughs> but, but how big a portion of this, because I really looked in season one as the Wraith was a character. Yes. Very much so. Like yes. a living, breathing thing that didn't necessarily always respond to what Charlie wanted. Am I off base on that? They're related. To each other, and I think that um, you know it's funny just the way that Zach talks about his relationship with the cars that Quinto, who plays Charlie, makes, um, yeah. is really interesting. He, I, I heard him in some interviews talking about he has a reverence for it and a kind of he's established this like formal relationship with it. Um, which I, we, he and I didn't talk about, and I didn't pick up on that until after he said it, and then I was like, oh yeah, I can see that and how he treats it. You know, and um, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So they've developed, like, in his mind, he developed a rule bank and boundaries yes. with the car that he exists with in this dichotomy, in this yes. dynamic. So to yes, speak. yes. And we will see, um, you know, in season two, we'll, the car was around before Charlie. Um, and yeah, they, they kind of, we'll see their, the, the beginning of their relationship ah. um, in, season, in season two. Oh, that's good. So we really, again, we don't just get to see all the stuff that happened to Vic and Charlie. We get to see his mom and the car, which is, okay, it's a character. All right, so yeah, definitely. Like, I, kind of, I, I felt it. A right, fun character, I think. We all love the car. I love the car. I yeah. mean, like, is it a real Wraith? We have two real Wraiths, which are amazing. And then we've got, like, a, a stunt Wraith, which is, uh, I think, like an old Ford that has some Wraith parts on it. That's right. that like, like the, Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's like, they got a car guy, right? He, like, owns yeah, both yes. and he brings him in. Yep. Uh, oh, ben Teradash. He takes care of our Wraiths. And uh, we also have some antique motorcycles on set this year. He takes care of those. Um, oh, new new bikes. Uh, she's got a different dirt bike? Yes. Vic has a new bike this year. Uh, I said, well, it's older, right? She's got to. Yeah. Uh, and things are not going well, I don't think. Are they <laughs> with the boyfriend? Are they going well with the boyfriend? Not so much. The... The guy With that her we, husband, you know, the father of her yes. child. Um, well, the father, the biological father of her child. Uh, spoiler mm -hmm. alert, Jason. Uh -oh. uh, uh -oh. We see we see his demise at the end of season one. So when we come back yep. in season two, uh, we see that the, <laughs> <laughs> the young man that Jason's she met to help her at Sam's Gas and Sundries has become her partner and is functionally the father of her child. He's the adoptive dad. Come back. <laughs> oh, I love this. Okay, great. So we're going to get to explore all of the fucked upness that goes on. It's really broken people existing in this world where energy can be manipulated. I mean, it's a you know, it's simple. It's it's just about people who are trying to find each other, right? Is that so far off? Yeah, no, I think that's a great way to talk about it. Um, yeah, I think yeah. that's a, a a great observation of the characters and the the powers. This is great. And by, uh, before I let you go, I just have to say, I, I, do you love Gunner Gale? Is Gale in her not the best? Yeah, she's fantastic. She's, mean, she's she's so lovely. Um, I, I love met her. her working on Fear the Walking Dead, and yeah, I remember I, I was a first-time showrunner on Nosferatu, and I was losing my mind when we first started <laughs> shooting. And I called her, and I, she was so kind. She called me. I called and left a message, and she called me back, and like quick, right? Yes. Like she likes you. It's like she she doesn't matter. She's in Atlanta on a show. She's calling you and like and like how are you doing this so fast? Yeah, and just like gave me all kinds of advice and uh, uh yeah, she's uh, she's super cool. Wicked smart lady, very generous. Um yeah. Uh, there's, I'm a fan. The, there's the uh there's the Massachusetts East Coast wicked <laughs> smart. And I heard it. A little it. bit. It fact. comes out now and then. <laughs> yeah, I heard it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Jimmy Brown, where can we find you on do you care if anyone finds you on social media? I mean you have a career. Do you really need it? Uh, no, sure, you can follow where me. Where can we find you? You're welcome to follow me on Twitter. Um, okay, we're, what's the name? At Jamie O'Brien? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Or at Jamie okay. underscore O'Brien. See? Yeah. See, I told you, Jason. No, follow me. Follow me on Twitter. I and watch Nosferatu, right? When do new episodes drop? I love this. Drop. Sunday nights. Sunday nights on AMC at uh, 10, 9 central. Uh, or you can mm -hmm. see the episodes 48 hours in advance on AMC That's Plus. That's the best. 
There you go. That's the plug we're looking for. (laughs) That is the plug we're looking for. We find you at either at Jamie underscore O'Brien or at Jamie O'Brien. We're not sure which, but it's one of those. On Twitter. Yeah, I think it's, I think I got an underscore in there. All right, cool. And check out Nosferatu (laughs) on, and by the way, for anyone who's like old school Hollywood like me, who cares, that is the Madman slot. That's how much the AMC loves this show. They stuck it in the Mad Men slot because they know how good it is and how deep it is. That's all I'm saying. So check it out Sunday nights or 48 hours in advance. You got them. New episodes dropping. Jamie, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, thank guys. You so thank much, you. That Jamie. was a lot of fun. Thank you for having great me. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah. Have a great one. Bye. Take care. Oh, my God. That's. I mean, again, I get to talk about these shit. This is a living. I can't believe it. We get to do this. I know, right? And you got to talk. You got to talk to her about things that I, you can't talk to me about. I mean, I know we get to share a lot, but you got to talk yes. about writer things that I don't understand. I know. It's like it's funny. I have to catch myself as I'm like, oh, so you're you're beating the. I'm like, no. Why don't you tell us? How do you? Yeah. How do you set up the room? I don't know how you set up your room. <laughs> Believe me, it wasn't like any room I've worked in. You have a normal room. Trust me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't think. Yeah, I, room, I think. I think. Not. I'm not saying this. I'm just gonna guess. But I bet you that room would not be allowed to run. The the entourage room probably wouldn't be able to run today. Uh, A, no. B, uh, I don't think Entourage could go today. Fair enough. Fair uh, enough. You know, I mean, I definitely don't think it could go today. I mean, if you started making that show and you're like, yeah, it's a bunch of white dudes who are making it in Hollywood and, you know, we'll eventually start putting in black people and some sports people. But, you know, it's mostly going to be about white dudes and white Hollywood and a lot of money. And, yeah, and now we're going to... Abuse women, misogynistic, yeah, no problem. Yeah. By the way, I love it. It made my career. I have no career without entourage. Let's be uh, very, let's be very clear. I don't exist. It doesn't matter how good you are. You need those breaks. It, it, nothing happens without them unless you happen to write a show and create it and just whoop. I mean, but yeah. that doesn't happen that much. That doesn't happen that but much. I'm saying you can't do it. You can do it. I can't, I can't even get my finger high enough yeah, in my I got shot. It. You can do it. See? And look what it says on my hand when I'm doing it. It says, it says art on my knuckles. All, I think, is, like, all I think is that you're missing an extra finger because if I had those tattoos, it would say fart all the time. It would just say fart. I'd try so and make it look like it's an art, but it would say fart all the time. It's like an Uncle Sam thing. You said I'm an artist. <laughs> all right. I have to say, and, and this is what I think. It's like she's talking about how you break down a show. You know, and yep. she's talking about how you break down the episodes, and, and she starts with the characters. She's starting with the character arcs, which is not necessarily the way everybody starts. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing in the best way, because I don't know what you have if you don't have that. Mm-hmm. But some people start with story. Some people start with, you know, where are we going, and, and what's going to be this character's storyline and not arc. I, I, they, I've seen this uh, where it gets removed, and I, I'm not quite sure, because to me they feel interchangeable. I don't want to digress too much, but what I am saying is the building of these episodes toward the building of a season is, I feel different than the building of a season that you have to get people to stay with and binge. Yep. Well, I, I think you're I right. And I, I think that, there, that you, you know, you guys broke this down that I, I think about sometimes, but then I forget, like, right for TV where you're, you're breaking up everything for commercials. And you're breaking it out for having a, a hook to bring you back. Whereas with this, you can kind of slow, like, and that's why I think people get upset with certain shows that are built, like on Netflix, you hear like the fourth or fifth episode, it feels bloated because right. it's not building all to these like little micro cliffhangers the way that regular, mm-hmm. you know, shows do. And, you know, a, a season on, you know, a season of network TV is 23 episodes, a season of like premium television is 13. And then now Netflix has cut them back down to like the, the binging sections are closer to 10, eight to 10. Because just about because structure changes and you can't do the same thing in a binge. That you but also, do you don't it. need as many episodes to yep. syndicate. Or well, they're not worried about syndicating, but you don't need as many episodes to have a uh, catalog. Yep. Now, yeah, Netflix well, doesn't care about syndicating. Well, and it feels like you know nobody. You know, I've never heard anybody complain about the the ninth episode of Mad Men dragging a little too far because they're very happy to have those thirteen episodes. But you hear it a lot with bingeable stuff when everything's available at once where it's like oh the first three were great the fourth and fifth one they could have cut out the four and they could have just released six and it would have been fine okay so normally i agree with you but i'm gonna i'm gonna cite a couple of examples here which are like example the sopranos the dream episode mm-hmm. everyone was pissed at that episode and drag i mean i listen you can look back at it now and say it's great or not but there are several of those sopranos mad men there were a bunch of episodes where people you know they talk every season is going to have those episodes where it feels a little disjointed episode like 304 oh, yeah. and 306 and 307 might not you know be on 
Oh, wait, so Nancy, I, she's complimenting us, so that's always worth stopping for. This is why I love the show. You guys both play off each other so well, and Cliff, you asked all the right questions. Well, Nancy, thank you. I, that's very nice. I, I really have nothing to say to that except thank you. Um, so I thought I had a joke here, but you know, that was just dead on oh, nice. That's, yeah, that was really nice. Okay, so, <laughs> you know... Now, what was I saying? I'm not. Oh, you're just talking about because yeah, there are a lot of these filler episodes. You're absolutely right. Right. I think wherever you're watching it, you have whether it's Mad Men or whether it's The Sopranos with the Dream episode. I think Mad Men. um, It wasn't the LSD episode because that was a great episode. But I I know there were a few. uh, I'll think of them. Breaking Bad had the fly episode, the bottle episode, and the thing where people. But but those were all stories to tell, like that. I think were good. I'm talking. You know, I think about it in terms of some of these shorter episodes. So I like having more episodes. I like building out that world. And if you're going to get the 13 episodes, I know that some of them are going to be filler and there's budgets and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like we, you hear it a lot more in the bingeable shows where it's like, the, the, you know, it's just I think that the, 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 um, the number for a, for a bill like a, a, a binge season is probably six to eight, which is where people are kind of heading to. It's just getting shorter. The seasons, uh, the number of episodes in a binge season is going to get shorter and shorter. And I think it'll probably land around six to eight. Well, I think also with the thing, you know, we brought up the fact that there's regular network, right? And that's act breaks that they're dealing with ads, right? Mm-hmm. But what you have, there's still a difference between the act breaks where you're dealing with ads on, let's say, an NBC or an ABC, and the act breaks where you're dealing uh, with ads on a Hulu, you know, mm-hmm. where you're getting these uh, ad- Most people aren't paying for ad-supported content. Right. Right? I mean, most of America is not like, I, and that's that's part of my uh, privilege, right? I mean, really, it is. I don't think about it. I'm like, of course I have ad non-supply. I'm not going to look at ads, but that's my business. Most human beings are like, I'm not paying the extra whatever it is, right. you know, $80 a, mu- a year for your no ads. I'll just uh, mute it and go uh, take a piss. Yeah, yeah. So you're writing differently for that than, let's say, where you're writing for HBO, where it's like you got to have the cliffhangers. You want to keep them involved. you got to have the cliffhangers at the end of the episodes to keep them coming back, to get someone to subscribe yeah. who wouldn't normally, right? Yeah, well, and even just to go off that, like, I don't think Please. True Blood was a great show, but okay. True Blood cliffhangers were fucking incredible. Every, the, end True Blood. Every, the end of every episode made you want to watch the next episode but like halfway through the episode you're like this is nothing's happening and then they get another crazy cliffhanger then and it would be great and you're like i'm gonna go watch this other one and like and they'd they'd solve that cliffhanger really fast way faster than they should be able to and then draw on and then come up with this really big hook at the end they did a great job of that you all right (laughs) <laughs> and I'll say this though because I did like True Blood True Blood was sexy as hell yeah, um, yeah. I, I think that's I mean Anna Paquin like for all intents and purposes this is not someone who should be sexy as hell and she is always sexy as hell this is a person by the way let's be clear Anna Paquin introduced the entire universe to the internet she made the first commercial go look it up for the information superhighway go ahead look it up look it up Oh, it's here. Anna Paquin, ad number one from MCI. Hold on one sec. Do you this got 25 is the, Yeah, please. Or at least, uh, yeah, this is worth it. Yes, please play this. This is the introduction to America, for sure, of the internet. That's funny. All right, let's see if, this, see if we can get this going. Yeah, I'd love that. She had just won the Oscar for the piano. I need to just, you know, pump the brain. Not like. computer. Scientist to scientist, teacher to teacher, student to student, but mostly it's called Network MCR. Look the at her. possibilities are endless. Wait, <laughs> Wait isn't there another uh, where she's standing in the middle of the road and she's like, welcome to the information super hard? Uh, I'll, I'll find one, that one too. That was her but first. But I mean, this is, this is the, I think she had just won or nominated for the Oscar for the piano, for Jane Campion's The Piano with Harvey Keitel. Uh, if you haven't seen that movie, you should watch that. Do yourself a favor. Um, and <laughs> she is chosen as the human soul to introduce I, I'm sure this was an international commercial by the way and dubbed yeah. into many languages to introduce everyone in the world to the information so that's what it was called by the way the oh, information yeah. superhighway information superhighway yep. before it was the world wide web or the internet yeah the world wide web all that ma- <laughs> no it's I mean but that show was, that show was I, I enjoyed that show too but I just think that they you know with uh, with True Blood they really just uh, 
they there was a certain point where they were they were just so good at that hook that there were times when I wanted to quit that show because it was just frustrating. It was a frustrating show, uh, you know, all, every season I feel like. But it was good. But they that the way like but then all of a sudden somebody just die right at the end and be like, oh cool, I'm, I'm hooked for another day. I gotta do this. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, listen, I thought when I watched, like, toward the end of the series, I don't know if it was the last two seasons when they had the fairies, when they introduced mm-hmm. the fairies into Because they were always introducing new sort of magical, mythical characters, which I also liked. Um, I, I don't know if that was in the Suki Waterhouse books or not. Again, I wasn't the person who read those books. That seemed like a YA, uh, yeah. you know, here's, here's me being sexist. That seemed like a YA female thing, you know, um, so Alan Ball was, you know, spot on, and he picked it up and said, I'm going to do this, uh, uh, coming off of uh, Six Feet Under, which I loved. I don't think that's the uh, general consensus for that series. And again, Six Feet Under? People love yeah. Six Feet Under. I okay, think good. That was I, I hope so. what we're saved. Then, uh, yeah, people love that show. I think that that was part of the reason uh, Ball had a little bit of a hard time with True Blood in that second well, series. Well, what I was... G- well, in the second, sorry, Jason and Nancy Drink. So what I was going to say was that uh, what I thought the, the, the fairies, for example, right? I thought, oh my God, that's so interesting. That would be great if they would just do a show on just like fairies, and then they did one on Amazon. And I was like, don't do a show on fairies. <laughs> just cancel that show and give Orlando Bloom another musician to date. This is not working out for anyone. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. He did that one show that I couldn't get through the first. Oh, with Cara Delevingne, who, by the way, I have the biggest crush on in the world. I don't. I want to say a bad thing, and I think. Let me say something very clear, and this has nothing to do with my crush on Cara Delevingne. That she is one of the better actresses out there, and if someone would give her a real fucking part, and she wouldn't choose these, you know, nonsensical things that she's. I don't know who's giving her advice, but she should be trying out for the biggest directors, the Lars von Triers. Do what do what Kirsten Dunst did. You know, find these directors who cast you because you auditioned. Not because you're the lead. You don't need money. You know she's a billionaire, right? Oh, I didn't realize that, but... And she's a royal. Oh, is she? Yeah. Well, I don't know that. Have you seen her? Have you seen her? Oh, I've seen her. I know who she she's is, but the, I didn't... I didn't, I didn't... Prettiest. No. Some of us haven't been stalking. No, it's not stalking. I know her. I met her. Like, she's played laser tag with Dylan. I have a oh, picture really? of her and Dylan at the laser tag. Yeah, Chris Zach Hall. McGowan, my dear friend, introduced me to her. That's how I know her. And she's wonderful. She's so sweet, hung out with my kid. Like, I have pictures from the day. Like, made my kid's year, by the way, because he was like, uh, I mean, what was he now? So he's 16? I mean, he had to be 13. So imagine being 13 and Cara Delevingne's out in, like, Paper Town or whatever it was. Which, by the <laughs> way, that movie I loved. Okay, so we're digressing again. Episodes, I, I'm going to go with this. I like binging better, but episodes, week to week, when they drop, makes a show more of an event and yep. gets a show bigger ratings. Here's what I'm going to say. Binging is for me. Event is to share, right? I think that when I watch a show to binge, I, uh, and I really watch it to binge, it's because it's, I just want to get through that show, and I, I'm interested in it for me. But shows that I event or shows that I watch with other people together, um, and if you, there's a different kind of fun. You want to share and talk about it. I don't necessarily want to share every show I binge. Nobody wants to talk about Young Justice with me. Nobody cares. Nobody cares that I watched all the Green Lantern cartoons by myself. Yeah, Young Justice. It's got the young. It's not even the. It's the. It's the sidekicks from all the superheroes. No, 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 no. Jason. Did you not hear the first thing you said before that? What? No one wants to talk to Young Justice. Nobody cares. That's right. Nobody wants to me. Yeah, nobody wants to talk to Young Justice. So that's that's a binge show. Is it? When I watch. Wait, wait. So what is that? What's the difference? You're saying like we have we have a few minutes. What what's the difference you're saying between something like Young Justice where no one wants to talk about it with you, so it's a bingeable show? How does that explain that? Bingeable because I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch it. I don't need anybody else's input. I don't want to know what anybody else thinks about it. Don't want to talk about it to anybody. No. No, right. uh, you know, there's a few shows like that. The first, the, the first season of you, before I realized it was going to be a phenomenon, I wasn't going about to talk to anybody about you. I was going to watch it by myself. Oh, really? I yeah. watched that the first time, and I was like, "Get in here, <laughs> everybody! Get the fuck in here!" Oh, I used it. Wait, uh, did I use a third f bomb? That means yeah. I don't only get one tomorrow. You have to, yeah. not tomorrow. Our next episode. Go Our on. Our next episode. Um, but but we, but there are certain shows that I've watched. Even um, mm-hmm. Ed to me, I wasn't sure if it was going to be good. It seemed like, and and when I say talk about it with everybody, sometimes it means people at work, but sometimes it means friends, and sometimes it just means my uh-huh. wife. If she doesn't want to watch it with me, it's a bingeable show, right? You got someone. Mr. Mercedes is a show I wanted to binge. Well, let's but, talk about Mr. Mercedes for a second. Okay, you want to binge that show, but you don't want to watch it episode to episode every week. Right. Well, I wanted to binge it, but my wife wanted to watch it with me. And sharing it, so she doesn't binge quite like I binge. So it was a you know one that one a day or one every three or four days, 
and but we could talk about it and share it and and we okay. can share it with other people and so an event show or like game of thrones it feels good to talk about but when you binge it, you're kind of saying. alone you're kind of alone because you binge it in your terms not on other people so you can't really talk about it with other people in the same way so binging is you know it, as you talk about this what it's hitting me is like binging is great for new relationships Mm-hmm. Where you're in bed a bunch, yep. seriously, like it's it's great when you're in a new relationship and there's a bunch of shows you can binge the hell out of them and you're in bed. So yeah. it's like having yeah, sex, either new you're watching a show, yeah. you're getting some food, yeah. you're watching the show. It's either for new relationships or just getting out of a relationship and you being alone and just being like, I just need to be here, right? That's where that. that's works. Got, that's how I got through Justified the first time. <laughs> but and it wasn't even got through. I loved the shit out of it. But oh, that show's the best. I but I, I I turned it on the day I got home from like a big breakup, and I watched you know oh really two seasons in my bed and just like oh, I love this show so much. If I could just if I could I just be live. tough and not care like him. Yeah, exactly. Be cool. He's the ultimate dude. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like if I'm gonna be more like that. Like what was his name again? Like Timothy Oliphant's name what was his. Uh, oh, was that, uh, yeah, yeah, he had the best name and that it was an elmore leonard novel so of course it was yep. a it was an amazing name everything elmore leonard did was yeah, fantastic let me just get the name of his, his character I forget, uh, yeah it was raylan gibbons raylan gibbons like, come on man that that name comes with a shotgun yeah I yeah. mean, like a 10-gallon or like a 20-gallon hat that he would yeah. never allow off his head it was like a raiders of the lost ark southern style Again, these are the things all written into the characters where you know you have a great show yeah. or a great book because there's so much texture. Oh, yeah. No, that one was great. And that fire in a hole in the whole first episode pilot was so, so good that it stuck me. But it was also something I binged because I was, I, I was just like crying and I wanted to sit in that room. And, you know, if that show had been on every week and I had some other people that I could convince to watch it, we would, you know, it would be more of an event. I, I think that, you know, there's podcasts like when Serial first came out, it was kind of fun to talk about all our theories on that podcast in advance. Oh, you mean because it was coming out every week, right? Is that out what every happened Serial? Yeah, so you kind of talk about your theories, you explore stuff, you dig into it, and that's another part of it that, you know, for some of the stuff, and especially some of the podcast and informational stuff that comes out weekly and makes events, is you have time to, like, get into the background. Like, if we wanted to really dig into the Betty Broderick story in a way, I don't want to do this because I want to enjoy the, the... We could talk about all these different pieces as they're coming out and all the details around this, you know, the yeah, but that's a stuff. specialized show, right? Yeah. Like that would be our show is about, you know, talking about each episode and breaking yeah. it down. Like kind of what, um, uh, your, your friend Philip, yeah. right. From Absolutely. new rock stars does. Absolutely. But at the right. same time, I think that's what makes some of that stuff event. I like, I think that Rick and Morty is one of those Agreed. examples. Rick and Morty is an event show, even though I would binge it in an hour. And I are, you know, in a, <laughs> we're getting you a new microphone. I'm making sure that that microphone God, is replaced. You said it was coming, but I haven't so, seen it. Um, but, uh, you know. Well, Rick and Morty, you said it's a, it's a very good example. You're right. Yeah, you know, you can do that and not, and not feel bad about it and still share it, but it feels really cool to be able to sit down every week and really watch it and then pick apart all the Easter eggs and then watch it two more times a week uh, for the next one, you know, in preparation. Listen, I agree. And then you get to binge it afterwards. Like after it's all locked up and you got all 10 episodes, like now I can just watch the whole thing in a row and you'll get different stuff from it. Mm-hmm. I, I, without a doubt, I do want to bring up one thing, though, before we go, because we're getting we're getting close to going and we're still going. I got so much to talk about. Um, did, did I just did I hear that? And can you please uh, validate or devalidate this for me, Jason Smith? Mm-hmm. Did I hear correctly that they pulled King of Staten Island. It was like supposed to go on all these drive-throughs, and they said, "Nah." <laughs> I did not. I and, don't and coincidentally, that. right after my my uh, uh, my dissertation, <laughs> I'm not calling it a diatribe. Uh, I don't know, but I will have that answer. Oh, yeah, Pete, yes. It's so this was a week ago. It says uh, Pete a David week ago. King of Staten Island was pulled unceremoniously and mysteriously from drive-in theaters last week. There's no explanation from Universal. They just changed their mind. <laughs> hey, Nancy, when did we do the episode, uh, the two episodes, really? Where Can you coincide this so we can just say that we take credit for it? Because, again, I feel happy about this. People should not have to go in their car and pay serious money because you pay an admission fee for each person in your car, right? Unless you put them in the trunk and you treat it like, uh, you know, in, uh, like in 80s, a, like Porky's. Yeah, exactly. Like an 80s movie, like, Porky's. Yeah. But that would have been Tuesday and Wednesday of last week that we talked about it, because I didn't watch it on Monday, and uh, had to watch it Monday Monday night. Or I didn't watch so, it over the weekend. It was Tuesday and Wednesday that we talked. They pulled it on Thursday. 
Right. Tuesday and Wednesday, we took, like, I'm saying chunks of our show, mostly me, to, to rip apart, like a real, like a criminal autopsy on King of Staten Island. And then the next day, what was that? Did you hear that tone? Well, that was, that was just my computer letting me know that uh, for some reason it gave me a Facebook. I think I saved the world. <laughs> Nancy said, ha, 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 you ruined King of SI for the world. See, I was just saying, I think you have to pay. Nancy, uh, I want you to imagine this. You and all your kids and your husband with your homemade ribs that he made packing into your car. And, 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 with, you know, and by the way, did you see Nancy's wall? She had like her cat got stuck in between her wall. She had to rip, rip out her wall. You should look at this on Instagram. It's a nightmare. You were so heated. Well, I was angry. I was upset that people will have to... Spend and, and and this is a time you don't want to waste money. People have to save their money. No one should be uh, subjected to. What are you going to spend twenty dollars a person or eighteen dollars a person to jump in your car with all your kids and go see Staten Island King? And you get there and you then get that movie and you're going to be mad. And you know what? I saved Judd, Judd Apatow a lot of public thrashings. Someone would have found something about this guy because they would have been so mad at him that they spent money on this that they would have been. And again, I, I think Pete Davidson is fine. Not He's a nice guy. He seems like talented. Just not, you know, it wasn't for me. Uh, no. But there are no coincidences, are there, Jason? Sorry. What do you think? <laughs> I think I also bought Scoob, so you know you can't trust me. I buy all the movies. Uh, but you hated King of Staten Island. Wasn't like I don't don't, don't like shy away from like oh, being partially it. responsible for the ruination. It. I was of with King you. Of thing, you know, and I'm, we're, we're this is like the second time we've ever gone over in history. Yeah, I know. Real quick, I just want to let you know when you were saying, "Hey, I heard a rumor." I was this completely caught me off guard. I thought you were going to go like, "I heard a rumor." Now tell me if this is right. Michael Keaton is going to be Batman again in the DC universe. I was like, yeah, let's talk about Batman. That's all I thought of. I was like, this is the only rumor I know. And That's like, what you jumped to? Young Justice, dude. Young Justice. <laughs> all right. Well, we have to go. Um, we will be back tomorrow. We'll talk a little, we're definitely going to talk about the Betty Broderick thing and the idea of event viewing and uh, the last episode. Stay safe. Stay sane. Stay strong. We'll be back for the next episode. Jason Smith. Cliff Dorfman. Take care of every, each other, everybody. Love you. Yes. A podcast network.